0: Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Judd Wilhite, and I wanna thank you for joining us today. You know, Central's a place where it's okay to not be okay, and we are so glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy this message. All right, all right. Happy Sunday, everybody. Nice to see you today, like the Cowboys jersey. We are in a series called Keep the Faith. So, just saying. Anyway, we're, we're keeping it. We're keeping it. Good to see you guys. I, uh, uh, last week, by the way, Pastor Nick gave the most amazing message. Anybody, if you guys weren't here last week, you, you need to see that. And uh, I've been thinking about that message all week. really spoke to me. And we're just continuing to go through Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament of the Bible, known as the Hall of Faith, and learning about the power of faith for our lives. And today I want to talk to you about the power of faith in the midst of, of uncertainty. You know, for me, um, I I I do pretty good with details. I'm okay with a lot of things coming at me. I like to think of myself as somewhat organized, pretty organized. You know, I can I get back to people. I can handle things, right? All of that, except none of that transfers to like directions. I I have a terrible sense of direction. Like, I you know, I if I go somewhere once. And then I go back, I think I know the way, anybody feel me here? And I always make wrong turns and get lost, inevitably. I mean, it's so bad that recently I was coming up to a red light, and Lori, my wife, is sitting beside me, and as we're approaching it, I said, everything in me wants to go right, so I should go left. And I looked over at Lori, and she goes, you're finally learning. (laughs) Like, like. I did a lot of drugs back in the day before in my pre-Christian days and uh, I think I fried something in my brain. You know, like, like there was a compass and I blew it up. So if I even walk out of a store at the mall, um, I'll go left if I should go right. Like it's always just go the opposite way. Anyway, I'm directionally challenged. Anybody else directionally challenged? A few of us, Yeah. Thank God for maps, right? And then when the maps program gives you the option, not just when you're driving, but also when you're walking, it's amazing. Can just help me get anywhere. A lot of times we can get directionally challenged, not, not literally, but but spiritually and emotionally in our lives. Sometimes we, we come to a, an intersection, if you will, and we aren't sure where, where to go, with work, with career, with family. Should I go left? Should I go right? Should I go forward? You know, you're like, God, should I, should I ask this person to marry me? Should I move to this city? Should I take this job? Should I uh, invest in this business? Should I take this risk? And sometimes life can be filled with uncertainties, right? In fact, it's often filled with uncertainties, and, and sometimes we feel the little directionally challenged. We aren't sure what to do. Somebody got in their car today and came to church, and on the way to church, you're like, God, just please give me some clarity. You know what I'm saying? Just give me an answer. Talk to me. Tell me something. I don't know what to do right now. I'm, I'm, I'm here, but I'm kind of stopped and directionally challenged. And so today I want to talk to you about some important principles for how we deal with that situation in our life and how we handle uncertainty. And here's the idea I want to share with you. Who you're following is more important than where you're currently at. Even if you aren't sure where you're going right now, who you're following is the most important thing because if you will follow God in your life, over time, he will guide you and he will lead you every step of the way. Just worry about who you're following even if you don't know exactly what the next thing is that you're facing. The great example of that in the Bible is Abraham, the father of the faith, the father of the Jewish nation. And we've been in Hebrews 11, we get to chapter 8, The writer of Hebrews is gonna point to Abraham and his life to give us inspiration for our own faith journey. So I'm gonna read this, when I get to the red word, say it real loud here with me. It says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without what? He went without knowing where he was going. Anybody not know where you're going right now (laughs) in your life? You're like, "I, I don't know. I used to have a friend, every time I'd see him, I'd be like, how you doing? And he would always respond the same way. He would say, I don't know, you tell me. I'm like, bro, how am I supposed to know? He's like, you're the pastor, man. How am I doing? I got no idea, but anyway, it's funny. Um, Sometimes we feel like that in our life. Like, how are you doing? I, I, I actually have no idea. You know, like I'm just trying to get through the day. I'm just trying to get to tomorrow. Abraham... His champion, because of his faith, he left, even though he didn't know where he was going. Now, God came to Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verses 1 through 3. This could be the most important verses to understand the entire arc of the whole Bible. God comes to Abraham and he says... Abraham, now this is a dude who's living in Ur of the Chaldeans, probably didn't even worship one God, may have worshiped multiple gods at that time, like he's very wealthy, he's got money, resources, he's got a staff, come on somebody, like he's got a crew. God comes to him and says, Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Notice not the land I'm showing you, the land I will show you after you go. And then he says, I will make you into a great nation. And the reason that's so important is because if you wanna understand the Bible, religious history, you go back to the book of Genesis to Abraham, God calls Abraham, Abraham eventually leaves, goes to the land God would show him, the land of Israel, right? Abraham becomes the father of the Jewish race. Um, you know, he, he says, I will, I will make you into a great nation. So. Abraham is seen as the father of faith. But God comes to him and says, go to the land I will show you. In other words, Abraham, you wanna, you're gonna follow me and you're not gonna know where you're going. You are on a need to know basis with your creator. But here's what I need you to do. Get your stuff together and go. So he had to leave Ur and all around Ur was desert and wilderness. And he had to head out into the desert not knowing where he was going. So here's a couple thoughts from Abraham's life to help us if we're managing our own uncertainty. And the first is just follow God in the uncertainty. Follow God in the uncertainty. Hebrews implies this. When God commanded Abraham, he started lacing up his shoes. Like he obeyed and he went and he followed God in faith. He did it. So if you're here today and you aren't sure, like things feel really confusing right now in your life, I want you to know it's okay. Right, if you aren't sure what to do next, I just want you to take a deep breath. It's okay. If you're at a kind of a loss for where you're at and where you're supposed to go, it's okay. The life of faith is lived on a need-to-know basis. Even Abraham the great person of faith, didn't always know the next step. But here's what he knew. I'm following God, and I'm trusting him in faith. And sometimes that's all you need to know. Sometimes that's all you need to know. Now, here's another principle from Abraham's life to encourage you if you feel like things are uncertain, and that is this. Until you do the little that God told you, he's unlikely to show you the more that you're praying about. In other words, God comes to Abraham. Like, we always want to know the whole plan, right? Do we want to know a God? Lay it all out for me. Tell me all the risks, all the benefits. Let me see the whole thing, and then I'll, I'll go. Like, oh, we're going to Israel. Okay, and tell me about Israel, and what's it look like? What's the temperature of Israel? Can I get a good property there? You know, how, how, how's the weather going to be? Is it going to be, right? God just says, no, no, you got to follow me. You got to go. And then he reveals the more as Abraham follows. In our lives, we often want the whole plan laid out. We want God to give us the whole deal and then we'll be willing to obey. But I think God's coming along through Abraham's life and he's challenging us. Listen, you gotta be willing to obey in the little things and as you follow me in the little things, I'll reveal the more to you. Um, Jesus put it this way. He said, you gotta be faithful. If you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. So if you're dealing with uncertainty, I think a helpful thing is to simply focus on obeying small and praying or dreaming big, believing big. So here it is, obey small. God has told us already in his word a lot of things, even when things are uncertain, that we should do. We should... Two greatest commandments, we should love God and we should love others. We should be people of integrity. We should honor our word. We should tell the truth. Our yes should be yes, our no should be no. We should be people seeking to live sexually pure lives, morally pure lives. We're to, we're to obey God and his commandments. None of us do it perfectly, but this is what we strive to do. And when things are uncertain, focus on the one, twos, and threes that God has already revealed to you, right? If you'll focus on the one, twos, and threes, then eventually you believe big and God can answer the prayers about the four, fives, and sixes. We wanna know, God, am I gonna find the right guy in my life this year? I don't know, but right now, be faithful to me, walk with me, and why don't you become the right person? Because as you become the right person, then you're gonna be positioned to meet the right guy when he comes along the way. Just a thought. (laughs) Obey small but believe big, right? And so when it's uncertain, do the things that you know God has called you to do. Be faithful to it and keep believing. Believe that I believe God does miracles. I believe he moves. I believe he works in our lives. I believe that he can show up and surprise you and blow your mind. But you you obey small, you believe big. That's helpful I think when we're following God in the uncertainty of our lives. Abraham obeys. He goes. He doesn't do everything perfect. I won't go into all the story. He messes some things up. He tries to manipulate some things. But he's a champion of faith because he was willing to obey. He was willing to go. Here's another thought if you're in uncertainty, and that is to follow God with vision. Abraham had a vision, and he was following God in it. I saw a few slides on Instagram that I thought were kind of funny, just about getting older, because no matter your age, we're all getting older. Uh, One said, welcome to your 30s. You are continually stunned to find that 1988 was not 10 years ago. It was a long, long time ago, right? Okay, here we go. Here's the next one. Am I old, or is the supermarket playing great music these days? Bro, if you're standing in the aisle of a supermarket and you're like, yeah, man, that's a great song. You're old, okay. Here's the next song, here's the next one. You know how a bike or car starts to squeak as it gets older? I'm pretty sure my bones are starting to do that. Anybody relate to this? Like, like I'm like a walking sound machine now, of cracks and pops and all the things, you know? Sometimes as we get older, no matter our age, it's easy to start thinking we're kind of done we're sort of past our, our time. And I, I've, I've talked to, I remember at 17, when I came to faith in Christ out of addiction and all of that in my life, I remember feeling like at 17, it's too late for me now. Isn't that crazy? But I will tell you, I have talked to multiple teenagers over the years who said the same thing. It doesn't matter your age. You can be 18, 20, 30, 50, 60, 70, and you can mentally get into a headspace That like time has passed for you, you've missed your opportunity, you didn't seize it, you didn't grab it, and now, you know, time has passed. And Abraham is going to remind us that it is never too late for the dream that God has given you in your life. Abraham's going to remind us that God is still moving and working, even when we can't always see it. In fact, listen, God gave Abraham this dream, right, this vision. Uh Genesis, he literally takes him outside, he says, Abraham, look up at the stars, He looks up at the stars, amazing. God says, this is like the number of your descendants. There was only one problem. He was 75 at the time, and his wife, Sarai, she was not able to have kids. Hello. So how is this gonna work out, God? And so he had a vision, but just because he had a vision, he didn't necessarily know when the timing was gonna play out. So 24 years goes by from the time he gets the vision. He's left. He's traveled, and now God comes to him and says, "Name your wife Sarah, which means princess, because she will give birth to a son and be the mother of many nations." You know what the Bible says? Abraham lays down on his face, a sign of respect before God, and laughs. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, we're back to this again. Twenty-four years of this stuff, man. Twenty—I'm a hundred years old." And you're still telling me I'm gonna have a kid, bro! He's, he's laughing, he doesn't get it. In fact, you read on in the Bible, uh, a little later, there's these mysterious guests that come and visit Abraham and Sarah, and they're sitting at the table talking. And Sarah overhears one of them say, kind of p- prophesying over Abraham, like, your, your wife is gonna give birth to a son, be the mother of many nations. And the Bible says, Sarah laughed to herself. <laughs> And she says, you can read it, now that I am old and worn out, I'm going to have this pleasure? She's like, right. I'm 90 years old. Ain't going to happen. They had a vision, but they didn't necessarily know the timing. And so 24 years, Abraham had to wait until supernaturally Sarah eventually becomes pregnant. Now, can you, ladies, can you imagine being pregnant at 90? I mean, come on, somebody. I'm talking about maternity clothes, man. I'm talking about getting the diapers down the grocery store aisle like like 90 years old. Crazy! My mom was in her mid-40s. My dad was uh, in, in, or in, just over like 43, I think. Um, and my mom, I think, tech, or my dad technically was like 47 or 48. Lori corrected me on all of the real numbers that I needed to know um, from last night. But anyway, they were old. When they found out I was coming along. My brother was a senior in high school, 17 years old, and my mom found out she was pregnant. They didn't even know biologically that that could happen. And my dad said that my mom did not talk to him for at least two straight weeks when she found out she was pregnant because she's like, you did this to me. You. It's your fault. But can you imagine being 90 and 100? Crazy, right? God gave them a vision, and eventually he brought that vision to fulfillment in fact they eventually have a little boy and they named him isaac isaac means he laughs what a beautiful picture right god got the last laugh right 24 years of waiting all these pain and difficulty Abraham actually stepped in and messed, blew a lot of things up, trying to manipulate the situation on his own, like, God told me this is what's going to happen, so now i got to make it happen, and he made a mess of things. 24 years, and God was faithful to his word. And so here's what Hebrews 11 says, beginning in verse 11. It says, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise, and so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as what? Dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. I love that. Here's this guy, and he says, he's good as good as dead. But listen, you know what we say around here? Look, if you're not dead yet, you're not done yet. God still has a purpose. God still has a mission. God still has a plan for you in your life. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. I remember, for me, I remember reading um, this biography of a guy named Martin Lloyd-Jones and um, it was so inspiring to me. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a guy that, um, at 26 years old, he was the chief assistant physician to the Queen of England at 26. Everybody would have said by, by 27, 28, he would have been England's equivalent of our Surgeon General. Can you even imagine being that, at that level at 26, 27, the chief assistant physician to the Queen? But God put a call on his life. And he realized, like, I can heal bodies, but my calling is to heal souls. And so he walked away from all that, and he went and pastored the only church, basically, that would take him. And he worked in the poorest mining district of Wales and led this church for years and years, and then eventually was at Westminster Chapel in London and had a lot of influence around the world. Well, I read that biography, and it just, all of a sudden, I had a vision for my life. I wanted to be a pastor. I know some of you think that's crazy, but that was my call, not yours. Like I knew for me, this is the thing I wanted to do. I dreamed about it. I prayed for it. I was willing to work. I was willing to sacrifice. Like I had a vision for my life that I felt like God had given me not to pastor a big church, not to be on a big stage. No, just to be a pastor and love people. That was my goal. And so I went to our Christian service director at our little Christian college. I was like 20 years old. And I said, hey, uh, you know, I feel like I'm called to be a pastor. And, you know, I I, I, I wanna work with adults. I wanna teach. I wanna preach. He goes, John, you're 20. Like, there's no opportunities to do that. And he said, try this or do that. I said, no, no, no. This, This is what I feel like I'm called to do. So I left. I was discouraged, but I thought, well, what do you do when you have a vision but you have no opportunity to do the vision? Anybody feel this? I said, well, you take the first step you obey small. You act as if God is gonna bring the vision to fulfillment. So for me, I thought, well, I better write a sermon if I'm ever gonna do this. So I got my little notepad out, and back in the dark ages, we used like paper and pens and spiral notebooks and stuff, you know? And I, I wrote out my first message. You know, it took me forever, right, to get it all kind of written out. It wasn't very good, I still have it. But you know, I wrote it all out. And I still didn't have any opportunities, and I thought, well, this is—you know—I was praying every day. I was asking God to open doors. I was crying out to Him. I thought, okay, so I wrote—I wrote my second message, got it all done. I got my second message done, and you know, been a, kept praying. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to keep going. You know, I started on my my third message. You know, like I got about halfway through my third message, and I was walking down the hallway in our college dorm floor. Now. Back then, we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> Back then, there were no phones in the dorm room, at least not at our college, man. We were all scraping. We were eating ramen. Um, but there was a hall payphone. Some of you remember this. And... Basically, that was the only phone. If the, if the hall payphone rang, whoever was closest to it, walking down the hall or whatever, answered it, and then you had to go find so-and-so and tell them they had a phone call. This is how we did it. Back, you know, with Moses and the tablets and the Ten Commandments and all of that. This is how we used to do it. So I'm just randomly walking down the hall, and as I'm getting close to the payphone, it starts to ring. I pick the payphone up, and it's this guy, he says, hey, my name is Claude. And um, he says, I'm part of a church community and uh, our senior pastor has resigned and I don't know if anybody on the, no lie, he goes, I don't know if anybody on the dorm room floor is thinking about being a pastor or doing ministry, but we need an interim to come and if, And I said, yes. And he goes, well, I mean, it's like three and a half hours away. I said, yes. He says, we don't know if we can pay you. I said, just give me the address. I've been praying for this. I've been waiting for this. I'm your guy, yes. So I go down, it's three and a half hours. right? I drive, three and a half hours. It's a little country church. There's nothing there. It's just a church. There's like nothing. It's like 15 or 20 minutes away from a little town, but literally in this town, Forest Grove, there's no gas station, there's no convenience store, there is nothing in Forest Grove, Texas, you can look it up, but a church. (laughs) Everybody there is like 70. I'm like 20. But I come rocking up, and I did a Sunday morning and a Sunday night message. And uh, at the end of it, Claude Comes out and he goes, let's go for a walk. <laughs> we walk around the church. Made one lap, wasn't that big. a cemetery, church, that's it. We walk around and Claude goes, we think we'd like to have you come back and do this regularly, you know, until we can find a pastor. And he goes, I think, I don't know what he'd pay me. He I think we'd pay like 100, $200, you know, cover your gas whatever and i'm like i'm in great and then the way they did it in texas back then you know it's like just shook a hand no contracts no i don't even know if there were w-2s to be honest with you but you know it's just like you shake your hand all right good cool see you next week and i remember driving back i was so excited i'm like god you did it you did it god you opened the door and then it dawns on me I've only got two messages and I just gave them Sunday morning and Sunday night and I gotta come back and do all that again next week and do school and work, ah! And I've never, I've done ministry since then. I've never stopped. But here's what I'm telling you. I'm just telling you like, if God puts a dream and a vision in your heart, he can open a door and make a way you just be faithful in the little things and it doesn't mean my journey was easy because of that connection at that church when they found a new senior pastor my senior year of college i got to pastor a church that was about an hour and a half away getting closer we converted a room in the church put a bed in there a dresser i lived in the church come on somebody i was look i was all in man it didn't matter i'm like i'm there you know i'm in so I would drive to this other church and do that my senior year of college. And they had like 15 years of family divisions and all this drama in this little church and it split right down the middle. All this ugly stuff, half the church left. I tried to get them to reconcile, they wouldn't reconcile. I remember at one point I was counseling four different couples in marital crisis and I'm 20, 21 and I've never been married and I don't have a, even now I don't have a clue after 26 years of marriage. I didn't have a clue back then, you know what I'm saying? Like like no clue. I'm just trying to listen, encourage. But I remember like four different couples. Three of them ended up getting a divorce. And the fourth that didn't get a divorce, her husband wasn't even part of the church. I never met the guy. So I remember just sitting out on the steps of this church. It had split down the middle. Everything I touched felt like it wasn't working. Everybody was, and I thought, God, you called the wrong person. Anybody ever felt this way? Like, like, dude, come on. You should have called somebody that wasn't such a mess, first of all, in high school. You should have called somebody who had it together. You should have called somebody who knew what they were doing. And I, this is a mess. You know, I don't. I would have given up if God didn't put the vision in my heart. What I've learned over the years is this, that sometimes to be prepared for the vision God gives you, you got to go through pain. Because going through pain, you get a greater capacity to carry pain. The only way you lead at a high level is you have to be able to shoulder a lot of pain and challenge and difficulty. In fact, your ability to tolerate pain is in direct proportion to how high you can lead in your life. So somebody just went like, dude, what? The higher you go in leadership, The more you got a shoulder, the harder it gets. The more you got to lead change. You know what change does to people? It causes pain. So if you want to lead at a high level, you're going to have to lead change. If you're going to lead change, you're going to cause people to get upset. You got to deal with people being upset. You got to deal with pain. You got to deal with difficulty. You got to make hard decisions. I don't like it. I'm just explaining what I'm talking about. Some of you are in, in, in the pain right now. But just because you're in the pain, it doesn't mean that God didn't give you that vision. Just because it's hard or maybe you failed, it doesn't mean that you're disqualified now from what God called you to in your life. His timing and his, his action are sometimes, or his division and the timing are sometimes different things, but God can use that pain in your life to prepare you. I mean, the things that I learned in that little church that split down the middle actually helped me leading through a little thing that we all faced a few years ago called COVID. And I was sitting there at one point realizing these were some of the lessons I learned all those years ago that God was preparing me for so that I could handle leading through all of this. What about you and your life? What has God called you to do? Abraham, Bible says when he finally died, he died an old man at a ripe old age, and it says he was satisfied with life. If you're willing to follow God even into the unknown, I believe that can be our epitaph as well. Satisfied with life. God led us even into the unknown. So let me just quickly ask you a couple questions. When you think about your life, maybe this week, these are good questions to think about. What pictures do I see for my future? Like when you think about work or family, your finances, you know, your future. Like what what if you're visual, what picture do you see for that? Or what maybe you're 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 more about like words, like what are the, how would you describe that in your life? It's important to have a picture. I watched, um, I love documentaries, and I watched this documentary of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, The Terminator, you know. I'll be back. (laughs) And he said at every point, whether he was a kid thinking about being a bodybuilder or whether he went from being a bodybuilder to being an actor, when he went from being an actor to being the governor of California, at every point, he saw a picture of the next mountain. He saw it crystal clear. As a kid, he had his whole wall was filled with pictures of bodybuilders, and he said, I'm, I'm going to be the best bodybuilder in the world. That was the picture. With acting, he saw a clear picture. He says, I don't want to be a character actor. I want to be a star. With, with politics, he saw a picture he said, I'm, I'm going to be governor, I'm going like, to Like he saw clearly, and he said, because he saw clearly, he was able to climb the mountain one step at a time and go after the vision. It's powerful to see a vision for your future and to think about it. Here's another question. Is this vision in line with God's word? Some of you see the vision like, I want to be famous. Listen, that's a terrible vision for your life. I, I want to be rich. Look, there is a lot more than fame and money come on, and if you will look to your future and say, I want to do these things because I feel God has put this in my heart, whatever it is, maybe you want to be a teacher, maybe you want to be a first responder, maybe you want to open a business, listen, I hope you get rich, and I hope you handle it well, I hope God increases your influence and your fame, but that's not a purpose, that's not in and of itself a purpose statement, you know, I always watch these people on like American Idol or whatever, why you want to, I want to be famous, okay, great. Is this vision in line with God's word? Doing this thing in your life, is it gonna help you glorify God, reach more people, advance his kingdom on earth using your gifts? Do I have a passion for this? The only way you go after a vision in your life is you gotta have a passion for it. It's gonna take sacrifice, it's gonna be hard. One of the ways you know your passion is think about what you pray about. If what you pray about is often what you care most about, and if there's something in your life you keep coming back to, you're praying about it again and again and again, that may be a clue for you as to the passion God has put in your heart. And then another question would be this. Do I have the potential to achieve this vision with God's help? And I put that up there even though I'm hesitant to, because a lot of times we just kind of take ourselves out, like, well, no, I I don't really have the potential. But... With God's help and with hard work, don't sell yourself short. I just think this is an important question because sometimes we have visions that are totally unreal. Like, if I had a vision right now and I felt like my dream is to be an NFL football player and help the Dallas Cowboys actually go to a Super Bowl, look, it won't matter how many hours I spend at the gym. Come on, somebody. It's not gonna matter how much I leg press. I'm not fast enough. I don't have the physical skill and talent. I'm nowhere even in the realm unless God supernaturally does some stuff, right? And so I think it's a good question. Don't count yourself out, but also be honest about like your, your ability, your talent, where you're at, what you can do. Here's why it's important. When you have a vision and a dream, that can empower you even in uncertainty to keep following. Obey small, believe big. Obey small, believe big. Keep going after it until God opens the door. That's what he did in Abraham's life. But he had to hold on by faith. Sometimes the life of faith feels a lot like a trapeze artist. I don't know if any of you go to Cirque du Soleil shows, seen Cirque du Soleil shows over the years. Uh, None of you? No, you've never seen a Cirque show? Okay, yeah. No, we've all been there. Seen something. But it's amazing what these people can do with their bodies, right? Like they can fly through the air, they do all these crazy things, like, you know, I've throw my back out, p- picking a pencil up off the floor. And, and they, they can do all this stuff. Henry Nowen writes about this group of traveling trapeze artists called the Flying Rodleys. And the Flying Rodleys talked about the special relationship between the flyer and the catcher. So when you have trapeze artists, you have a flyer, this person that you know swings up, does flips, and all this acrobatic stuff, and then they begin to fall very fast. And then coming up, you have the catcher. I mean, imagine being a catcher. You, you're, you know, you're upside down on a bar. Your legs are over a bar. You're swinging up, and the catcher's job is to catch the flyer. But what I thought was interesting is they use language. Like, literally, they save each other. I mean, it could be disastrous if they drop in the midst of a, of a, of a routine. And so they literally trust each other with their lives. And so one of the things they talk about is the the flyer. The flyer's number one job is no matter what happens, when you begin that fall, you start to you hold your form. You do not try to overcorrect. You hold I mean things may not have gone perfectly, but when you begin to drop, you hold your form. If you try to catch the catcher, that could be disastrous. If you try to manipulate the situation, that could be disastrous. So what the flyer says is no matter what happens, when you begin to fall, you hold your form. And you trust the catcher to catch you. You trust the catcher to make the adjustment. You trust the catcher to do whatever he's gotta do so that when you come down, He scoops you out of the air before you go all the way down. And so in the fall, it's absolute faith. Keep your form. Do not manipulate the situation. Do not try to catch the catcher. Trust the catcher to catch you. You know where I'm going. Right? We know how this applies to the life of faith because sometimes in the uncertainty, it feels like you're falling, right? You're free falling. You wanna panic. Come on, somebody. You wanna start manipulating the situation. Abraham did that and it didn't go well, caused him a lot of pain. But what you gotta do in that moment is trust. God, the catcher, that he will catch you. That's the life of faith. And think about it. He caught you in the past. He's caught you in difficult situations. He's always scooped you up before you hit the ground. Or if he let you hit the ground, it was good for you and you needed to hit the ground. And now he's scooped you back up and helped put you back together. And now you're moving on. Listen, God will catch you. You just keep form and trust the catcher. Will catch you it's the life of faith so if you're here today and and you don't know where you're going all you need to know is who you're following if you're uncertain hey just obey small just do what you already know to do and trust that God will reveal the more that you're praying about as you obey in the little things and trust the catcher to catch you Maybe you're here and maybe you've never crossed the line of faith and I'd love to give you that opportunity just to reach out to God and to trust him in your life and to ask him to move and work. So would all of you bow your heads, close your eyes and if you'd like to begin that journey, you can repeat the simple prayer after me just to open your heart and your mind to God. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again forgive me for my sins give me the gift of eternal life and help me face the challenges that I'm up against God I surrender my life to you in Christ's name friends with every head bowed and every eye closed if that's your prayer today I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air just make eye contact with me just to say before God to say to me you're going to trust him in your life today. Just reach out to him today. God bless you guys. Thank you for those hands. Let's reach out to him. Thank you. Bless you guys. Thank you. you. God, we thank you. I thank you for each person just reaching out to you. I pray you'll bless their life, work in their life, heal, restore, forgive. We love you. We give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe and review this podcast and connect with us on social media by following at Central Online. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Central. You can simply visit centralchurch.online slash give, and you can give a gift today. And thanks again for joining us on the Central Church Podcast.